Welcome to Blaze and Access, connecting the community to the disabled world. I am Blaze Bryant, Facebook.com slash Blaze and Shows. It's B-L-A-I-S-I-N Shows. That is the same with Twitter. And go check out my brand new website, BlazeandShows.com, as we have an all-star panel of guests as we're going to talk about the Fair Pay for Home Care campaign. I ended the show last week saying it was the Just Pay for Home Care campaign, uh, which that was the name when I ended the show, and it changed to be more equitable, and I said that we have a rock star panel. Joining me is Jensen Caraballo from the Rochester area, Jose Hernandez, who is the president of the United Spinal Association chapter of New York City. We have Julia Yepes Macbeth and Kendra Scalia, who is the board president for the Consumer Directed Personal Assistance Association of New York State. All five of us here are people with disabilities who use long-term care services, and we'll jump right into our panel discussion as we're talking about the Fair Pay for Home Care campaign. Jensen, why is this so important to you, uh, and why are you so passionate about it? Um, this is very important to me, you know, because uh, um, I actually, you know, I, I know a lot of you guys don't know my story, but I um, I used to live in a nursing home when I was 15 years old. And, um, you know, I really, it, it took some years for me to, to actually transition out of the nursing home and uh, advocate for myself and, you know, kind of um, learn the ropes of uh, living in the community. Um, so now, you know, I now live in my own apartment. I use uh, um, long-term services and supports to live in my own apartment. And I, um, and uh, you know, it's, it's very important to me that I have my AIDS because, um, um, you know, I will not be able to, to live in my own apartment if, if I didn't have my AIDS. Um, actually, I, you know, I would be back in the nursing home. Um, sure. Yeah, and I, Jensen, I can't wait to hear more about your story as we uh, go along, as we move further along the alphabet. Uh, Jose, the same question to you. Well, I've been injured for 25 years, and in that time, I've had one person from the city come to my house and say they would prefer to put me in a nursing home than pay for two 24-hour split shift care. And that's the type of mindset that it's starting again. You know, at one point, my aides were making $10, 10 something an hour um, when the minimum wage was seven twenty-five or so. And here we are in 2021, and now the minimum wage is $15 an hour, which is great. But, you know, you can go flip a burger for $15 an hour and not have to worry about, you know, actually taking care of someone and, you know, their household and everything that comes with that, not only that, but all the personal care. So it makes a lot of sense that if you want to keep people in the community, you pay for our home care at a rate that it makes it worthwhile to them. And it's not only just about that, it's just a, a one bedroom apartment in New York City, in the Bronx, I'm sorry, a one bedroom apartment in the Bronx starts at $1,400. And oh my, that doesn't leave a lot of room at $15 an hour. Oh, that's for sure. And we'll, uh, thank you for that. We'll, we'll get back to you 
Kendra, while you are unmuted, I will ask you the same question here, and then we'll get back to Julia as uh, we work out the technical problems here. Kendra, why is the Fair Pay for Home Care campaign so important to you? Fair Pay for Home Care is really important to me as a CDPA consumer employer. I have struggled for years to fill all of the shifts that I have available Um, I I find quality candidates um, who go through the interview process with me and I want to hire them, uh, but they always ask the same question at the end of an interview. How much does this job pay? And I have uh, the unfortunate position of telling them that it's a minimum wage job at just $12.50 an hour. Um, And they all decline uh, the job position. They all withdraw their, their applications. But more than that, I think that the fair pay for home care campaign is so crucial right now because of what we're seeing happening uh, in nursing homes. You know, the COVID pandemic has brought to light what the disability community has always known, what we have been shouting from the rooftops for years, that nursing homes are dangerous places for disabled people and seniors to live in. Um, you know, and and thirdly, this is really important to me because uh that national home care worker shortage is going to hit New York the hardest. We're seeing statistics of a shortage of 83,000 positions by 2025. That's 83,000 consumers who need home care providers in their home, but we simply don't have the workers to work these jobs. And the reason for that crisis is directly related to the low wages. So having a minimum wage at 150% of the regional minimum wage would mean that home care jobs never become minimum wage jobs again. Absolutely. And to kind of put some numbers to that, say the highest regional minimum wage were 15 an hour, it would be 22.50 an hour as we now have Julia unmuted. Uh, do you need me to repeat the question or do you, or do you have it? Uh, well, if you can repeat it, I appreciate it. Certainly. How or why are you so important or why are you so passionate about the Fair Pay for Home Care campaign? Well, um, I happen to have a 24-hour assistant. So uh, it's what they call a living. And the person works 24 hours uh, every day. The uh, the pay that they get is what they call the shift, but they're actually working 24. Whether they sleep and eat, they're still in the house. And um, they only are allowed to pay them 13 of those 24 hours, which is insane. And I, I uh, no matter how I try to make sense of it, it doesn't. Uh, I'm always looking for people. I never have anyone that's extra just in case uh, someone uh, gets sick or has a, an emergency. Um, it, it, it's, it's become almost uh, like an obsession for to see these uh, this PCAs get, and, uh, you know, get more money. This is very hard work. And while they're here for those 24 hours, they really cannot be free to go any place. They have to stay here. If you are having a person stay in one place for 24 hours because it's the job, then they deserve to be paid for 24 hours. 
And this is why I am hoping, and I will try to do the best I can uh, to get that pay increase for uh, these people. Uh, I know that uh, if I didn't have anyone during the quarantine and they were here constantly, uh, whether they came by, by cab or they, came, they took car service, and this is another thing that they, uh, if by any chance they, something happens uh, with a bus or there's a quarantine again or, or some emergency happens in New York City, they take a cab to the job, which costs a lot of money. That comes out of their pocket, really, because the, uh, the agencies do not give uh, an incentive for when they have to be at a job at a certain time. Sure. So, you know, it, it's really very hard. Very hard. Absolutely. We'll circle back with you in a few minutes. Joining me, Blaze Bryant, on our Fair Pay for Home Care campaign panel are Jensen Caraballo from the Rochester area, Jose Hernandez, the president of the United Spital Chapter New York City, Kendra Scalia, board president of the Consumer Director Personal Assistance Association of New York State, and Julia Yepes Macbeth who is a consumer, as all of us are here. Everyone has a, what I like to call, a CDPA story. And Jensen, I'm going to come back to you with this one. You talked about at the beginning of this uh, panel how you were in a nursing home and now you're in your own apartment. Talk about the quality of life increase and how you are now thriving being out of the nursing home and into your own apartment. I thank you. Um, you know, it's a, it's a world of difference um, living in a, a nursing home versus living in your own home. Um, I have so much freedoms now. I can literally uh control how i how i live my life um you know and i'm so grateful for that but i think what's frustrating about all this is you know just remembering the days that i was in a nursing home and and knowing that there are still people still there um and and you know struggling to get out and and you know it's like Kendra was saying we we've been talking about this the community has been talking about this issue for years before the pandemic and here we are in the middle of a pandemic and you know it's 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 important that that you know like our people are dying in these places and um you know it it, it shouldn't be that way we can um we can raise the wages for our hard workers so that we can live in our, in our own homes so that we can have, I have a job now. I, you know, I just want to answer the question that you asked me. I have a job now. I have traveled um, all over the place and I've done so many things since I lived in the community. Um, things that I would not have been able to do living in a nursing home. You know, I have, um, you know, I don't know if that answers your question, but... Uh, you you did. Thank you very much. Uh, Jose, I'm going to go over to you. Uh, the pandemic has certainly been extremely challenging in terms of uh, recruiting personal assistants, and I know um, you have 
more than all of us really had to deal with uh, deal with these challenges because of a very unfortunate event that you have uh, had to share on various panels and the like. Uh, if you feel comfortable talking about that, uh, that experience and how you have had to deal and overcome that. Yeah, absolutely. So at the, be- the height of the pandemic, in the beginning, my PA who worked with me for over 12 years um, got sick and he knows how difficult it is to recruit new individuals or people just to, uh, as a backup that he says, you know, I'm not feeling well, but I'll come in on Monday if you need me to. So I couldn't take that chance. And I was like, you know something? When you feel better, you come back. And um, unfortunately, two weeks after that conversation, he passed away. And the scramble began. You know, not only is it difficult because of uh, the requirements, you know, you have to get a 40-page a 40 page application that no one was uh, sending to you, or you have to wait in the mail for it to be mailed to you. Cause a lot of people don't have printers. You have to do a medical at the height of pandemic where you don't know where to go and you have to recruit someone and let them know that, yeah, you're going to risk your life day in and day out to come into my house, to take care of me and clean my body and, you know, my home for $15 an hour. So I, I, I don't understand how and why it should be that difficult. Why shouldn't they get paid, you know, a decent living wage for what they do? You know, it's so personal, the job. You're in someone's house. You're cleaning up their apartment. You're cleaning up their bodies. And you're getting $15 an hour. And at the height of the pandemic, they should have been classified as essential workers and they never were. It it's just such a shame. It it really is. And Jose, I really appreciate you having the comfort to share such an incredibly tragic story. Uh let's see. Julia, I'm going to circle back with you here as we only have a few minutes left to talk about you which you did a little bit about uh your aides only getting paid 13 hours for a 24 hour shift and the transportation that they have to utilize that of course the wages don't keep up with the cost of a New York city cab. What was your life like before you started utilizing consumer directed personal assistance? Before I was with the consumer directed program, which allows the consumer, the patient, if you want to call it the patient, or the, the uh, me, uh, we, uh, we are allowed through that program to hire, uh, to secure a person that we either know or someone that we feel that is uh, competent. And uh, we work with the hours. And um, we also train the person specifically for our uh, type of disability, what to do. And that person becomes actually your lifeline because uh, that person is the one who, who gets you ready to face the world every day. 
And so uh, before then, I was pretty much at home uh, because the regular agencies that do not have the, the CD pad program, they send people, either different people every day. Uh, they're, they're not really there for the consumer. Um, the consumer has no say. So therefore, at that, at that time, I found myself that I didn't have an independent lifestyle. Uh, that I could go to meetings, that I could pursue my advocacy. There was nothing that I could do. So I had to wait and be someone else's puppet. Uh, mm-hmm. Where with the consumer directed program, I had the freedom to use my hours as I see fit for my advocacy. And so, therefore, it's uh, it, we get into that rhythm of where. Uh, my PCA knows where I'm going, what I'm, I'm doing. She helps me with everything that I have in my uh, that, that I uh, can share in my home, and uh, also it's a, it's the same person, a person whom I, whom I get to know, a person who um, it becomes somewhat like a sister, you know, um, and uh, it's a it's a person that you get to trust where with anything else besides that program, the CDPAP program, uh, you'll need a stranger every day. You don't know who they are. Absolutely. Uh, the the clock is, and I are not good friends here. We're pretty close to time here. Kendra, you've been kind of spearheading a lot of this organizing and really are the conduit as to why we're all together here. Jensen Caraballo, Jose Hernandez, Julia Yepes, Macbeth, Kendra Scalia, and me, Blaze Bryant. Kendra, talk very quickly about how people can get involved in the Fair Pay for Home Care campaign. Absolutely. So the Fair Pay for Home Care campaign uh, really grew out of uh, people with disabilities, seniors, home care providers, and family caregivers coming together with various different uh, disability organizations, associations, as well as some traditional home care agencies and fiscal intermediaries through CDPA uh, to address this issue. And we're all coming together under um, the the banner of the New York Caring Majority. Um, And so you can get involved by following the hashtag fair pay for home care. Um, That's for the number four. So uh, hashtag fair pay, the number four home care on Twitter and get involved in those conversations. We have a petition available. Um, If you find New York Caring Majority on Facebook, you'll be able to see our petition. We're asking folks to share that and sign it. Um, share it with all of your networks, as many folks as you can. Uh, and we really need people to contact their state legislators. Let them know that this is an important bill to you and that you need them to vote yes and get this part of um, our budget process. Uh, that bill was just recently introduced. Um, it is being sponsored by Assemblymember Gottfried and Senator Rachel May. Um, and we're just so excited because they're really great advocates for us uh, on our state level. Um, but we do need everyone's support who's listening today to contact your local legislature and let them know that uh, fair pay for home care is necessary and that you need this um, for your community. Absolutely. Out of time, Jensen Caraballo, 
Jose Hernandez, Julia Yepes, Macbeth, and Kendra Scalia. I can't thank all of you enough for being so giving of your time and joining me here on the Blazing Access Show. Thank you so much. My name is Angela Bird. I am a leader at the, with the National Domestic Workers Alliance, and I am a New York City resident, and I am a home care worker. I've been a home care worker for the past eight years. I have worked with numerous clients, and each one was different, but yet required the same care and attention. I absolutely love what I do. My passion for taking care of the elderly keeps me grounded. Few jobs are so personal and essential. We, have, we save lives every day. I once took care of an elderly woman with Parkinson's disease with an onslaught of, of dementia, little dementia. And she would have episodes where she would run into the street screaming and yelling for help. It was very taxing for me, but I, I was able to make sure she was safe and kept her from harming herself. I still have a great relationship with her, with her children up to this day, and that was many years ago. Um, she was like many who have family members who aren't able to take care of them and rely on us home care workers to keep their loved ones safe, healthy, and comfortable. Yet, despite the importance of the work that I do, I am paid minimum wage. Last year, when I was diagnosed with breast cancer and needed treatment, I didn't even get paid off, paid time off which really you know, put a dent in my budget. During the pandemic, conditions have gotten worse. Since March, 2020, under pressure from my employer, I have been working four weeks straight at a time as a living aid for an elderly gentleman. Despite working 24 hours a day, we don't get paid for the night. After each four week stretch, we get four weeks off without pay. Meeting expenses has become especially challenging for me. Not only are the wages low, my job does not provide me with PPE or cover my travel expenses. I have been buying my own PPE since March last year. I have also spent $550 out of my own pocket since March for taxi services to get to and from my employer, my client's home, so I don't have to take public transportation and put him at risk. So our work is very essential and we really deserve better. We need to be given the respect and recognition that we deserve. We deserve fair wages. So today I am here to advocate and fight for us home care workers who deserve fair pay. We really, it's very important to us that we get, you know, the Fair Pay Act in legislation, and I am here to fight and advocate for us home care workers and to whoever that it is or no, who can help us with that, I would really appreciate it. And I'm speaking on behalf of all home care workers. Thank you. Angela Bird, a home care worker, talking at the Fair Pay for Home Care campaign launch earlier this week. Another presentation was done by Isaac Jabola Corellis who is a Ph.D. candidate at the City University of New York. He presented findings on what the increased home care wages would do not only to the sector, 
but to the economy as a whole. Based on the latest statewide projections we have for 2018 through 2028, rising demand means that the number of home health aid and personal care aid job positions will grow by 265,000. This includes home care workers and aides in nursing facilities, but the explosive growth is driven by home care. These occupations will add as many jobs to the state economy as will the next 40 largest occupations combined. That's the scale of this change. But these occupations are also constantly losing workers because they are difficult and dangerous, especially during this pandemic, and because they are so poorly compensated. Statewide, the median hourly wage for home care workers is only $13.80. The median annual income is only $22,000. The steady flood of workers leaving these direct care worker jobs adds up to another 720,000 openings so in total, we face nearly 1 million openings over a decade across New York State. The ongoing task of filling these jobs, it's enormous. It's clear that we're falling short, especially in home care. So what would it cost to alleviate the labor shortage by investing in higher home care wages? And what economic impacts would such public investment produce? We examined multiple potential wage increases here, I'll focus on the increases most similar to those proposed in the fair pay legislation. So specifically, we looked at the impact of raising home care wages to $22 hourly or 40,000 yearly in New York City, 1925 hourly or 35,000 annually on Long Island and in Westchester, and 1650 hourly or $30,000 annually in the rest of the state. These increases would affect about 85% of home care workers statewide. Uh, that's almost 200,000 people. And that includes workers employed through home care agencies, private households, and public programs like Medicaid Consumer Directed Personal Assistance, CDPAP. We estimate that it would cost approximately $4 billion annually to fund these increases. That's significant, but in perspective, that represents just over 1% of total annual spending within New York's healthcare system. This cost includes the direct wage increase itself, the cost to ensure that workers who would lose Medicaid coverage at higher wages would continue to have health insurance, and uh, increased employer payroll taxes and costs, such as disability insurance premiums. What we find, however, is that those costs would be surpassed by new savings, revenues, and economic benefits. These include economic spillover, how workers with higher wages will spend more, injecting more money into the economy, new sales tax revenue from some of that spending, new income tax revenue from higher wages, public assistance savings from reduced participation in Medicaid or supplemental nutrition assistance and other programs, and within the industry, productivity gains and reduced turnover, including savings from less home care agency spending on recruiting, hiring, training, et cetera. These benefits total $7.6 billion, resulting in a net gain of $3.7 billion. Isaac Jabola Corellis, a PhD candidate at the City University of New York, sharing some findings on how raising home care wages impacts the economy as a whole.
That's all the time we have. Thanks for listening to Blaze and Access, connecting the community to the disabled world. What do you think? Let me know at facebook.com slash blazinshows. That's B-L-A-I-S-I-N shows. On Twitter at blazinshows. Or email me at blazinshows at gmail.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts and at my website, blazinshows.com. To quote the late Christopher Reeve, a hero is an ordinary individual who finds the strength to persevere and endure in spite of overwhelming obstacles. Take care of yourself and we'll talk again next week. On Blaze and Access, I'm Blaze Bryant.